1: This is Gospel Bound, a podcast from the Gospel Coalition for those searching for resolute hope in an anxious age. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. I'm your host, Colin Hansen, and I'm glad you're here for today's conversation. Welcome to a special edition of Gospel Bound and... Let's talk. I'm Colin Hanson and I'm the host of Gospel Bound and I'm joined by my good friend, my dear friend and colleague Melissa Krueger, one of the hosts of Let's Talk. You're listening to bonus season end episode of our podcast which launched in 2020 last year. Thank you everybody for your faithful listening and support. We wanted to take you behind the scenes with this podcast, look back on the big stories and trends from 2021. And of course, also thank you for listening and encouraging us in this work.
0: Well, a lot has happened since our last podcast (laughs) together. Um, I think we were maybe hopeful last year at this time that COVID would be a distant memory. And unfortunately, (laughs) it is like a recurring nightmare instead. Um, And we're going to jump to your top 10 theology stories in just a moment. But um, let me start first with the TGC-related question, because you never get to sit on the other side of the interview seat Mm -hmm. and be interviewed yourself. Um, So you have changed roles this Year at TGC, and you have traveled internationally to speak. Um, you actually got in at a narrow little window Did. that you could get in, and it was such a direct answer to prayer. It was, um, it was really sweet to see. But can you share a little bit about um, your change in role and just where um, you got to go and what you saw when you were there?
1: yeah so this this year Melissa has been a whirlwind i I stepped in at the invitation of our president Julius Kim to become vice president of content then also editor-in-chief those are distinct roles but overlapping roles in editor-in-chief I'm overseeing our publications across our uh, just day-to-day articles to podcasts and videos and and uh, conference planning things like that working with you in those areas but as vice president of content I'm thinking also, broader, institutionally, more long-term about ways that we need to adapt and ways that we need to grow. As you know, Melissa, this is an ever-changing landscape for publishing. So it's been a fun responsibility there. And part of that, one of the great joys I had was working with two of our international groups. And one of them, TGC Nordic, which the Nordic countries range anywhere from from Finland all the way over to Iceland and including the Scandinavian countries of of Sweden and Norway and Denmark. And so I got to participate in the first ever TGC Nordic conference in Copenhagen in September and shout out to Christian Roth and to all of our, our leaders out there and for the great work. What an encouragement, Melissa, to be able to be not only in a place that felt more normal because at the time there were fewer COVID restrictions there, but also because got a chance to hear from believers talking about Jesus and their hope for what He was doing in their city, and even though they had small numbers, they were still dedicated to evangelism and discipleship, and And uh, there was a church plant right there in downtown uh, Copenhagen that I got to to preach for. Is was actually their, their first service. Um, and first public service and met an, a, a study abroad student who had come from Texas. I mean, it was just a fun, a fun situation. And then as you mentioned, what a, an open door to prayer that just the day before I was supposed to fly to the Netherlands, it was still closed to American travelers without quarantine. But then that opened up was able to travel over there, and a similar dynamic for our first ever TGC Netherlands Flanders conference. And the theme of that conference was the post-COVID church, and we were celebrating the translation into Dutch of my book from this last year, Rediscover Church, Why the Body of Christ is Essential. So, talk with them about that. But again, just the privilege. What an amazing thing, Melissa. I'm sitting there, and I'm noticing one of the the staffers in the background and he'd been presenting on different books, but it was in Dutch. So I had no idea what was going on. And I, and I come up to him afterward and, and sure enough, he shows, he opens up his computer and he says, Hey, just so you know, I'm working with Crossway to build the site for all of the 20 translations of your book that we've been working with you and Crossway and Nine Marks on. And I had no idea Uh, Shout out to Marcel. But I had no idea who was working on that, how that was looking, what the plan was for that. I just knew that I was excited with this global pandemic. This call to regather in the church was going out in 20 different languages and with free editions um, digitally being available for there. It's at, I think it's at rediscoverchurchbook.com, if I remember correctly. But so just a joy to be able to do that. And then the the theme at the Nordic Conference was on the post-Christian West, reaching the post-Christian West with the gospel. And just given my own heritage, my family having come from Denmark in the 1920s, um, less than 100 years ago, in fact, um, and just an area that I— um, have been studying a lot this year in preparation for some 2023 projects that Lord willing, we'll get around to, but um, that's a long answer to your question, but that was a real, um, that was just, that was just a, a real highlight from 2021
0: that's so great it's been so nice i think for us all to see the joy of being together again i mean you write about it in your book but the reality is i think we've all felt it as we've walked back into places of worship and even for us you know even going to the conferences we had back-to-back conferences oh wow yeah. <laughs> in april this year which <laughs> yeah, when we rescheduled them, we thought, "Oh, of course we'll have these conferences next yeah. April." It's so far away, and then it it really was much more difficult than we realized.
1: And they turned out to be the the first events that were held not re- sports related in that convention center. And my goodness, special thanks to, to Seth Magnuson and Andrea Salik and all the other different people on our staff who put that together. And I'm just glad, Melissa that we didn't have to say hey melissa how about we just bump back another year Ugh. this conference <laughs> i think uh, i think you may have died <laughs> <laughs> that
0: it happened i think i think <laughs> or at least yeah. quit <laughs> i know i was like well one of the two may have happened so.
1: quit before dying I'm hopefully
0: hopefully but it, i would no it was great it was great i remember walking in that room and seeing everybody and you know a lot of our speakers speak a lot and they go a lot of places and no one had gone anywhere for a year and a half and so it was this Everybody was so happy and joyful to see each other. I, I think the withholding of some of the fellowship almost made us get to a little foretaste of heaven um, and how um, how sweet it is to be together
1: um, well, and and folks were we had we had restrictions that we needed to put into place, and folks were very honoring about dealing with that. We had no evidence of any kind of outbreaks or anything and also the difficulty leads to innovation and mm-hmm. one of the, my things i was most excited about i know that you were as well was the you know the the leadership that our team from seth Magnuson and steven morales and others gave to this the simulcast of being able to watch all of our different breakouts at the same time and you can still go and sign up to be able to watch all of those mm-hmm. on our site from the 2021 events but um it's also the first time ever that we did the events back to back, yeah. Um, which, which was, uh, which was. I the last time
0: ever. Hopefully, <laughs> I
1: think that's safe to say. Um, but, um, but I just, um, it was a, it was a joy, Melissa, to be able to work with you mm-hmm. on all of that, and um, it was, it was wonderful to see the Lord provide for us in that way. So, thanks for your leadership in in yeah. those events this year. Yeah
0: it was great it was great we produced five books for those conferences but we won't get into all that so even leading <laughs> up to it it was crazy ivan is a saint um
1: ivan we lost, mesa we love lots
0: you. lots going on but um let's jump into our top 10 theology stories okay. or your top 10 theology stories yeah don't don't so take away. the blame melissa i won't take the blame uh, <laughs> these are colin's top 10 theology stories not mine send all emails to colin i'll give you yes. his email address don't, yeah, yeah please don't do that <laughs> um well let's actually this was one of our book topics that we wrote about we published a book for the conference called before you lose your faith um and it was talking about this concept of deconstruction which for some people might be a newer word um you know and there were a lot of books out this year that were critiquing conservative protestant theology um and in your top 10 stories you mentioned a healthy version of deconstruction i had never heard this term called and i'm probably going to say it wrong Dissent
1: Disinculturation. yes. Okay,
0: disenculturation. Okay, right. thank you for helping me pronounce that. Now <laughs> I will have it. Um, it's like complementarian. You can't spell check; doesn't check it. It's true. You. You're always like, ah. um, "Well, can you explain the difference between?" Um, you call this a healthy version right. of um, rather than deconstruction. Can you explain kind of the differences and compare and con- contrast those for us so that we can yeah. understand a little more what you're talking about?
1: You know, I'm I'm so glad you asked that, Melissa, because that concept was what led Ivan Mesa and me to put together this book, Before You Lose Your Faith, Deconstructing Doubt in the Church. Because we'd gotten a submission from Hunter Beaumont, a pastor out in Colorado, and he was proposing that in all this conversation about deconstruction, which means a lot of things to a lot of different people, but it can mean anything from, I'm rethinking some of the beliefs and practices that I inherited as a Christian growing up to "I am changing many of my significant beliefs that are bringing me into significant conflict with my parents, church leaders, whatnot. or I am leaving the faith altogether because I don't buy any of this stuff anymore. So it's it's one of those terms that's been popular, Uh, for a number of years in the academy, and now it's broken out into popular usage. And as it's broken out into popular usage, it's lost any coherent uh, definition. But what this enculturation does is it's essentially, it, it gives you a version of deconstruction that is healthy, that is essentially, Melissa, whatever you think about missionaries needing to do. So you think about a missionary, you're going overseas, you're presenting the gospel, you need to think through a few different things. One of them is that what's the core gospel message that does not change from any place or any time as revealed in God's timeless word, okay? Don't change uh, one iota of that. Second, what are those things that they might be practices that are very important to me. They might mean a lot to me. Think about certain songs or even think about certain styles of music. They're not biblical. They're cultural, but they're also not necessarily bad. They're not something that you need to to throw out from your faith, but if it becomes a stumbling block to somebody from hearing the gospel, then you may need to change that and adapt that. So, think about the difference between, say, 19th and early 20th century missions where there was a sense that you when they would go you'd have to change your dress you'd have to change your education you have to change your speaking you have to change your language you have to change your music style okay well missions has changed quite a bit since that toward more indigenous expressions of the faith then at the third level there's also the perspective of actually there were some things that I learned in my faith And now that I have a little bit of critical distance from them, Uh they're just flat wrong.
0: Uh And they're
1: unbiblical. And I cannot hold to those things anymore. Uh Okay, that's what disenculturation does is instead of just reserving that for missionaries, it brings it home so that every one of us actually has to do that process. That's just Uh part of maturity as a believer. So we, we set off in this book through Hunter's example to be able to say, hey, we understand. This is part of growing up. This is part of the challenge of this time. Uh, there's a lot of things swirling out there, and all of us do have to enter into this process of disenculturation to be able to get back to the basics of the gospel and to hold all of God's Word as as truthful to us in all places and all times. So um, I'm excited, uh, Melissa, early in January, I'm going to be leading, uh, teaching a class at Beeson Divinity School on cultural apologetics, where hmm. I'm going to ask all of the students to write a personal statement of disenculturation. And so a lot of that was spurred by my work on this book. It's just been a concept very helpful to me.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So whereas... Deconstruction might take you away from scripture. It It could doesn't have
1: to, but it it can have to.
0: But disenculturation forces you to look more deeply at scripture to say, where has what I believe maybe not maybe been a man-made expression. Of, right. Or, you know, for us, a Western expression of Christianity that might not be actually biblical. Um, yeah. It's it's almost like you, you could have said, Jesus came and was asking the first century Pharisee to do that.
1: Yeah. You know, you, you're That's listening to point.
0: man-made laws. And I'm telling you, if you had actually listened to Moses, you would understand, you know, Jesus says you'd understand who I am.
1: And they added, and they added to the law as well, which is part of what we see here as well. And I would say, Melissa, with one of the major theological stories of this year has especially been how this lens has been turned on evangelicals, as you alluded to, historically, and especially related to uh, issues between men and women in the church and that's always the difficulty is how do you hold fast to what the bible explicitly teaches without at the same time imposing a whole lot of cultural demands that the bible does not put on men and women while at the same time recognizing that there is no culture less experience Mm -hmm. of the faith yeah those are three distinct steps that I think a lot of times get lost in the confusion and the polemics of no, how dare you abandon the faith by tweaking this thing? Oh, no, how, da- I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, no, this is part of a maturation process, but ultimately it should be guiding us back to God, back to His Word
0: yeah and it requires that deep time in the word more time in the word than on twitter (laughs) more time in the word than even reading other people's ideas about these concepts and it it really i think um also even like hebrews mentions it not just takes time in the word but then the discernment to know how to apply it takes a lot of practice and years of being led by the spirit so i think it's it's really um it's really complicated for that reason but it hopefully we, we know that our minds are being transformed and renewed so yeah. hopefully in 10 years we will think differently even about what right. the bible teaches not not the basic core truths but that right. we will have grown in our understanding and knowledge and wisdom so that's Amen. hopeful for all of us um, on a somewhat related topic yeah. you write about the podcast that everyone's been listening to this year i think <laughs> i mean i'm amazed when i've talked to friends all over you know my my christian world so to speak almost all of them have been listening to the rise and fall of Morris hill hosted by mike cosper um you were interviewed on the podcast numerous times it was always fun to hear you on there um yeah. but you said it's the most important breakthrough in christian media um, why do you think this podcast was listened to by so many people and what can we learn from it
1: Yeah, I haven't seen anything as innovative as this and wide-reaching in in Christian media in the last decade. And um, it's kind of crazy, Melissa, but as you know, not much unifies us in the church anymore, um, especially with with different media. And this podcast, oddly enough, unified lots of people, because you could be— working for TGC, and having had a lot of the difficult experiences that I talk about on the podcast, um, you could be somebody who is deeply involved in Acts 29 and still thinks maybe that in some ways Mark wasn't treated as well, Mark Driscoll was not treated as well as he should have been. You could be somebody who has completely deconstructed your faith because you see it as being a, a retrograde patriarchal religion as exemplified through Mark Driscoll's misogyny, you could be somebody like my friends and just sort of acquaintances in Birmingham who you don't know anything about Mark Driscoll. You don't know anything about Marsville. You don't know anything about the Gospel Coalition or X 29, the Resurgence. But you just heard about this wild podcast, and you would have to listen to this guy to believe him. And so oddly enough, it just had a little bit of something for everybody <laughs> in ways that most media doesn't mm-hmm. anymore. It's just so niche. And so so many different people had an accent, a- access point into this podcast in his podcast. And I think it's also a, a perfect storm of, of a time when the young restless reform movement that I've written so much about has, uh, has seen a lot of fragmentation, and one of those first breaks was with Mark. Um, eight nine years ago, which we talk about in the podcast there, and there have been many other breaks and uh, things since then. But that was one of the major major shifts then. Um, but it, it but then at the same time, it hits exactly when as we're as we just talked about in the last question, all these accusations of you know Jesus and John Wayne and the ways that that uh, Christianity has been manipulated for misogynistic reasons that that those books are really popular as well. And so really just a perfect storm. And I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to a certain someone's book coming out in 2022 about spiritual abuse, because we desperately need healthy, biblical-wise categories to be thinking about this. Because just to give you an example, Melissa, in my everyday ministry. And you and you know that as we're working as editors and leaders at TGC, we're looking to serve ordinary church leaders, ordinary Christians. We're just trying to serve them. And so, we take very seriously the experiences that we have in the church. And I was interviewing this last weekend a new couple, and it was clear to, to join our church's members And it was clear as I was looking through their story that they had experienced a lot of pain in Christian ministry. And sure enough, at the end, the wife just asked me, hey, if you have any experience or resources on spiritual abuse, I would love to know about them because I'm still trying to work through the struggles of what I've experienced. Mm -hmm. And just the week before, one of my closest friends in ministry had written and said, Hey, I need some help because uh, my leaders have been listening to this podcast and they're convinced that anything that just looks like normal, good leadership is actually just a form of spiritual abuse. And so you can just see this range of people of, there are so many people with real painful experiences out there that have connected with this and we need to learn about why So many of us, and I'm just putting myself in this category, not you, um, have tolerated it Mm -hmm. for whatever reason and and have have put up with it when we never should have. And people got hurt for that. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to go on that podcast was to Mm -hmm. confess that. And at the same time, that there will be some people who struggle to discern between good, godly, convictional leadership, and we'll use the term spiritual abuse as a way of dismissing people and ideas that they don't like. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to be in that tension for quite a while.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely made me, actually related to our, the earlier story, go back and really look at what is the nature of Christian leadership? I think I just assumed it kind of looked like worldly leadership, you know, you want the person who can walk in and command the room and has charisma and um, Paul Tripp has an excellent book. Did it come out this year on leadership? Or was that last year? I think that
1: was last year. Um, Yeah, I think it was. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One of the things he said when... You look at the list of pastoring is there's one gift and the rest is character teaching is the gift and and the rest are all character traits and i think i think it's been a good um check on the church just to say what are we looking for do we want the guy who can be ceo of the bank or do we want you know want someone who leads in a really different way and i think it's a good it's been a it's been a helpful thing to consider
1: I, I, I'm enjoying imagining Mark Driscoll as CEO of a bank. I think we would just settle for somebody who just wasn't a shock jock. Think, <laughs> so, but you're right that I think you make a good point there, Melissa, that spiritual v- abuse comes in many different packages. Hmm, hmm. And also, I, th- I feel the need to clarify this as well, many different church sizes.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And it, d- exactly. it doesn't have to be some sort of mega church that wants to be the biggest church in the country, That's or this right. is a problem. That's right.
0: It's right. It's really using spiritual power to yeah. yield it over others rather than serve. And I love I love how Jesus mm. we just see such a different example. He says, it, well, you know, when I think it's um, the sons of Zebedee, when they want to call lightning down on their enemies. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. That's how the Gentiles do it. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not going to lead that way. The greatest among you is the one who serves. And I, I think it's made me really pay attention to that from Moses to Paul. They they called themselves not leaders, but they called themselves servants. Yeah. Sir, Moses, servant of God; Paul, servant of Jesus Christ. You know, it's just an interesting. It's it's a little bit of a word change, but it really matters how we view ourselves um, and how different people view our, themselves in the church.
1: I uh, I think if we all just took Jesus more seriously, we would be <laughs> in a better situation. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Mark ten forty five, right there. The Son of Man came not to be served. But to mm. serve, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many.
0: Yeah,
1: it's very clear what leadership looks like. It looks like taking the blows for the sake of others. Mm. It looks like not considering yourself, like in Philippians, but considering others more important mm. than yourself. And in so many of the divisions that I talk about in my top ten theology stories, a lot of it comes down to not taking Jesus seriously and not doing basic things mm-hmm. that we were told to do in the word and if you have a church if we have churches or people or ministries like TGC where people do not consider the interests of others more important than themselves and are looking to serve then you do end up with strife mm-hmm. envy malice mm-hmm. and all the all those sins that that we see in those vice lists in scriptures, so that's just um, that's just straight up. That's just that's just what the Bible tells us.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. And I, I think one area that we have seen this in so much in the church this year, uh, lots of strife, lots of division. About yeah. another one of your stories is the continual effects of COVID, COVID, and COVID mandates, um, and I would say yeah. COVID exhaustion on
1: yeah. the local
0: church and. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You hear from a lot of pastors. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of exhaustion out there. Um, more pastors may be thinking about leaving altogether um, because of some of the strife and division. And you know, you think about it. You've served families. You've loved families. You've baptized. Well, I was going to say baptized babies. Sorry, that's yeah, my. Yeah, that's, that's fine.
1: That's <laughs> fine. Baptized
0: we, them as adults. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: you know, you've you've loved people, and then because of a mass mandate, you know, they're like, oh, I'm out, I'm leaving, whichever way it might be. We've seen on both sides of the spectrum. But yeah, these pastors who came to your hospital bed and sat beside you and, you know, were there for you. And we're seeing this, I think, pastoral exhaustion and weariness, maybe at a different level. How have you seen that or heard that? um, And how have you seen the effects in the local church of all that's happened with COVID?
1: Melissa, this cuts across so many different ways, because on the one hand, who among us in seminary studied epidemiology, <laughs> infectious diseases, and, you know, Scott James, my friend out there, you're, you're the exception. You're one of the few elders who can claim you actually have studied these things.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, Miguel on our council. Yeah, Miguel
1: Nunez. <laughs> it's also true. If if, if if your pastor is Miguel Nunez, you're totally accepted <laughs> exactly. from this. Exactly. You better listen to him. But um, even even those experts have struggled to understand what's mm-hmm. going on around us these last two years. And I think that's the key aspect here of what made this toward the top of my theology stories, is that we're living through an epistemological crisis, and that is that we don't know what or who we can trust, what information we can trust, what orders we 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 must obey, and, um, because that's what the government demands us to do for our own good or what needs to be resisted for the greater good. And that, that is just a struggle that we, I don't think, Melissa, we've come close to resolving. And we, we told everybody in this podcast that we were going to take them behind the scenes. So I want to take them behind the scenes uh, to the year 2019. And Joe Carter, we love Joe Carter, um, longtime colleague of ours at TGC, and um, he and I, he was working on a piece on vaccines and yeah. he and I were both shocked, <laughs> shocked by the negative response that we got to that, which meant that in 2021, I was not shocked <laughs> really? because I'd experienced that shock in 2019. And as he knew, we were talking about this and about how surprised we were, we started thinking about all kinds of different things that at one point in government and science had been incontrovertible truth. And we realized how many of those things turned out to be wrong and then it just kind of dawned on us of how do we know when it's different now mm-hmm. that's where a lot of us are I, I'm not I'm not actually I'm not a vaccine skeptic myself. Um, I'm very grateful I see that as in a different world maybe this would be evidence of one of the greatest common graces of our lifetime and how mm-hmm. many countless lives have been saved. By these vaccines, praise God, answer to prayer. But it's because we, it comes in the context of a revolution of the inf- information age that makes it difficult for us to know who and what to trust. Mm-hmm. And that has, you know, led to, that has played itself out in churches where pastors don't know what to do and congregations have a built-in distrust toward them as leaders, and an expectation that they will conform to their preconceived notions. And that is just basically a a recipe for leadership disaster. And I said there were two sides of it, that's the side of what's making this so hard for pastors. What's making this so hard from the other direction is that no pastors are perfect, no leader is perfect, if you had any leadership problems or pastoral problems in your congregation going into 2019, and most of us did, in 2020, going into 2020, you, <laughs> they were going to be exposed, like a like a like a magnifying glass times five, in 2020, and then into 2021. So a lot of what we're dealing with, Melissa, is not just because of confusion about masks or vaccines. It's because of the stress placed on congregations where there were already fractures that have been expanded. And um, and I don't think that's just churches. Mm-hmm. I think that's just about every institution uh, today. And so, we need a lot of grace from God, mm-hmm. and we need to show a lot of grace toward each other.
0: Yeah. It's really difficult when you think of all that we expect of pastors. I
1: mean, it, it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, these and, are really- and against, I mean, I mean, we're we're stuck in a situation, Melissa, where we expect a lot from pastors on the one hand, and at the same time, we also expect basic, basic decency from them. Mm-hmm. So you just got from the Mars Hill story where you can't <laughs> even expect basic decency, mm-hmm. but at the same time to a situation where we expect too much and expertise that they simply can't have.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And that's uh, no wonder. No wonder these things are difficult.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's tough well your last story or your top story sorry yeah. from last year happened almost a full year ago um it happened on <laughs> january 6 it's hard sure. to remember Piphany. back Piphany. almost
1: Piphany. That,
0: that far um yeah. it's been a almost a year since the u.s Capitol was stormed um and your article you mentioned topics like christian nationalism over realized eschatology um and mistaken views of the covenant as potential reasons for Christians' angry responses to the election results, uh, can you kind of flesh out those three terms for us and kind of how you see them shaping what's happening um, with America? What what it means to be a Christian in America? H- yeah. How how did these terms? I mean, some people might not know what sure. it means to be have an overrealized eschatology. Right. I tell my husband you that know- all the time. <laughs> <laughs> an overrealized eschatology. I pull that out.
1: I think, I think of all places, the Kruger household would be one of those places. I'm just waiting for your kids to use it on you guys.
0: Oh yeah. I'm sure they Mom, will. Mom,
1: that is an over-realized, over-realized eschatology. Is- you need to clean your room. I'm sorry. That is an over-realized. <laughs> Please, I live in the, the already, in I, I live in the already not yet. And it is not yet time for me to me. clean my
0: room. <laughs> I'll take some pictures. If you saw my son's room, it's definitely the not yet.
1: Oh man. <laughs> we love yet. you, John. All right. So, um, so, we uh, Christian nationalism would be in the same category, I would say, as deconstruction, as these hot button theological issues of, or, or terms of 2021 that are nevertheless quite disputed and used very broadly. And because they're used so broadly, they're not necessarily very helpful unless you define what you're saying. So, I keep my definition of Christian nationalism very clear and simple, and that is the belief that the Old Testament promises to the people of God, Israel, can be applied to the United States of America today, Hmm. okay? That is what I mean by that. Now, that actually does have quite an expanded purview because even before there was a United States of America— there were Puritan notions that did identify their religious colonies very closely with Old Testament Israel. So, this is not something that just emerged like with Donald Trump in the 2020 election. It is something that is really woven into our DNA in the United States and even before that. So, that's how I define it. I don't mean to say that patriotism is bad or loving your country or having no loyalty or serving your country. I think the early church settled that question long ago, Augustine and others with Romans 13, that you can properly bear arms to serve your nation, your country, your people in obedience to God by keeping the order of the sword of Romans 13. So I don't have any problem with that. But I would say where things go wrong is when you think the Old Testament promises can be realized by the United States of America. And I just, I don't, I think theologians have made it very clear that that is not the way the covenants work. In terms of an overrealized eschatology, what, what I'm referring to there is a sense I get from Christians that the world should be expected to conform to biblical laws. And again, especially related to the Old Testament. Now, this can range all the way on the one hand from you and I simply saying, we want Roe v. Wade to be overturned. Okay, well, I I don't think that's an overrealized eschatology. That's just a plain old evil that needs to be redressed. Okay. Um, and I pray fervently that God would do that as soon as possible, and that he would end the scourge of abortion in this country. Okay. Yeah. On the other end, though, is, for example, the rise of of a sort of a constellation of beliefs related to things like theonomy, which is an expectation that we should realize communities of faith geographically on earth today equivalent to the Old Testament, but under the Christian covenant. Um, That's probably not the best technical definition of theonomy, but it is an expectation that we would realize the law of God in our communities, in this place, and in this time. And I would describe that as an overrealized eschatology because I would say that we should not expect that to happen until Christ comes again. And until then, I think the clear message from 1 Peter and elsewhere is that we are pilgrims in exile, wandering through, blessing our neighbors as much as we can, seeking first the kingdom of God, and and asking Maranatha, Jesus Christ, come again quickly. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by that. And so you do get these mistaken covenants, and you will often hear Americans talk about the country in covenantal terms before Mm -hmm. God. And I think that's led to all manner of mistaken expectations and confusion. And I think one of those manifestations, not the only, not the not the end all be all, but one of those manifestations was a lot of the the anger and almost apocalyptic fervor that was demonstrated by some Christians and the January 6th storming of the Capitol.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's also maybe a misguided even understanding of law that there are three types of law in the Old Testament we have civil, ceremonial, and then we have moral law. So even as Christians, you know, what we're trying to follow are not the civil laws of Israel, even as believers. um, You know, and we don't follow the ceremonial laws in the same way we consider those fulfilled in Christ. Um, That's why. we'll have some bacon and shellfish and things like that but yeah (laughs) we still hold to the moral law of god which is summed up in the ten commandments and we we believe the spirit teaches us how to live that way it's different but it's it is a so it's a theological understanding and it's also i think what we're putting our hope in right um there's just it's there's just a temptation to put our hope in a, a in a kingdom that we can see and i think it's easy for us as americans to put our hope in America, you know, and uh, I mean, all of us face that temptation. Oh, what's happening in that other nation will never happen to me, because I'm safe here, rather than whatever may happen to me, I'm safe, because I'm a child of of the lord and he saved me and in in some sense not safe from physical harm but i'm safe that my soul is kept by him and so we we probably have a mistaken sense of where we really place our ultimate hope and 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 it's something for us all to check i have to check it um you know and say oh my hope is in the lord you know because we can get pretty rote even praying for our meals oh thank you lord but you know it's just like of course i have a meal (laughs) <laughs> of course, I have lunch, breakfast, lunch and dinner. And it's, right. um, it's just something um, I think we we grow almost because of our um, plenty. We, right. we, we sometimes forget to put our hope in the Lord. Um, and it's it's a good call for all of us. Um, we both have continued to do podcasts this year. There we go. Yeah. Um, and you have interviewed 33 people this year. Yeah. Um, are there any interviews that stood out to you? Or hmm. um, that you might say, hey, go back and listen to this one or any interviews that are upcoming that you're really excited about in the the coming year?
1: I'll mention three. Uh, One of them was with Andy Crouch and it was on the one year anniversary of COVID. If you did not listen to that one, please go back and listen to that one. Andy was correct about what was going to happen at the very beginning of COVID, March 2020 in the United States. And so far, what he told me in March of 2021 has borne out the rest of 2021. He had mentioned that the historical models show that a pandemic is followed by economic, um, basically a burst in consumerism and a decrease of religiosity. And I would say that's exactly what we're seeing right now play out there as well. So listen for just the, the godly wisdom that you get from Andy Crouch in that um, that episode. I also want to give a shout out to the the president, Morty Shapiro, of my alma mater, Northwestern, as well as my old professor, um, Saul Morrison. Uh, they did an interview with me about their book on the new fundamentalisms and how they divide us, and one of the great treats was was hearing uh, Morty Shapiro talk about other episodes of Gospel Bound and how he listened to the podcast, and he's, uh, he's Jewish, um, and I was just like, wow, okay, and, and I was startled on the podcast. He's like, yeah, that's right. Bet you didn't think I was a listener, Colin. <laughs> I thought it's true. I did not think. And then I, I had the privilege of being published in the New York Times in, in August um, about, um, I think that was in August, yeah, about the church and about uh, physical presence in church. And sure enough, he wrote me about that as well and just congratulated me on that article and said he really appreciated it. So that was a, a fun memory from 2021. And uh, then, you know, oddly enough, this is one that just came out interview with Ryan Burge about the rise of the nuns, uh, those people who claim no religious affiliation. You never know, Melissa. I mean, when when you're doing Let's Talk, you guys have chemistry, you have rapport with each other, you have friendship. And so, you know, you have consistency there. When I'm doing interviews, you really never know um, what you're going to get with an interview there. Well, with Ryan Burge, I got a lot more than I anticipated. I would just describe that thing as rollicking, and it it works out really well when I'm when I end up debating the person <laughs> that I'm talking with because normally I'm I'm pretty passive, but sometimes we get into an area that I know a little bit about. And in this area of sociology and statistical method and post-Christianity and apologetics and evangelism, that's just really my my bailiwick at, um, at Gospel Bound. And so he and I just got into a really fun discussion debate about politics and history and and all the different contributing factors to the largest transformation of religion in american history which we're in the midst of right now so check out that interview with ryan burge and um will just give a little preview and i love doing this melissa because other than my interview with tom nelson i haven't even invited anybody else yet so if you're listening out there these are the people you can look forward to being interviewed isaac adams gavin ortland mm-hmm. Sam. Andrew McCracken, George Yancey, John Tyson, Michael Horton—just cool. a few of the folks whose books that I'm hoping to read <laughs> over the Christmas. Uh, is it a break? Is that what it is yeah. when you have three young kids? Is that what it's called, Melissa? A Christmas break?
0: Well, we just call it vacation relocation. That's what we used to call it. <laughs> so I don't know what you call a Christmas break. I don't know.
1: Well, well, let's 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 talk about let's talk, Melissa. I'm I'm mm-hmm. really eager. You guys have another season already in the can, yes. as we say, ready to roll in early 2022. Is that the plan?
0: Yeah, it's coming out the last week of January Okay, um, is when we're, we're gonna be, it, it should come out then, um, Lord willing. Okay. And we are talking about lots of different topics. Let's, um, hear, them.
1: Let's hear I them. mean,
0: and none of them were easy. Every time we sat down to talk, we are like, wow, this is a tough one too.
1: Do we blame um, Betsy for that? Do we blame I know, Betsy Howard I know. for that? We
0: all agreed to it. So it's, it's all about, <laughs> just no, Betsy does, does like,
1: amazing work. We love you betsy thank you (laughs)
0: Um, but we talk about work we talk about shame we actually talk about obedience and law something that we just got into a minute ago um we talk about how to talk about race we talk about when others fall away deconstruction apostasy all of that um idolatry spotting false teachers a lot of the topics that are in your top 10 actually and then so so it's really um it's always a joy to sit down with jasmine and jackie and um they are, were both pregnant at the time and I was still not. And so okay. I am going to continue that trend. <laughs> um, so they can keep having babies, but I think, uh, yeah. So, yeah. I I'm, I'm felt so embarrassed because I'm so exhausted at the end of the day and they're both, you know, carrying oh, these children and they, they stuck with it for all of our days. So we had a great time, <laughs> had a great time talking. That's great. Um, well, every year at the end of the year, we do a couple of different book review type things. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. Ivan is always in charge of keeping us organized. He does an amazing job. I wish everybody could know what happens behind the scenes to do those book awards. (laughs) It is a multi month (sighs) process.
1: Ivan Mesa hero. Thank you, Ivan.
0: Yes, it is. It is. it involves a lot of people and a lot of organization, and Ivan does that. Um, he also always puts together a list that I love to read because our fellow editors at TGC are some of my favorite um, book advice givers. I always love to see, oh, what's Colin read this year? What what 800-page book has Colin read this year that I can <laughs> Melissa
1: read? and I are book buddies. I think we probably said this last year. We're book buddies. We have a lot of overlap in our reading.
0: I know, I know. I was, of course, because I was telling Colin, I'm reading this book on Peter the Great, and he goes, "I've read that book." And I was like, "Of course you have. <laughs> of course you have. Of course you have." <laughs> Who else has read? A I was book right on there a on my world? shelf. I
1: was even looking at it at the time. I Was like, "Wait, this book?" I mean, how many yeah, other that books is. are there?
0: Yeah, that yeah one. Peter the Great. <laughs> yes, that's it. Um, but w- let me ask you. That was not the book I'll say it has impacted me this year. <laughs> that's the book I've been struggling through for a long time to torture myself, but. No. Is there a book this past year that you would say has really kind of impacted how you think about things, um, made yeah. you think differently, or mm. just encouraged you in some way?
1: Yes. Um, whenever I ask this question on Gospel Bound, I expect people to just give me their first answer, not their political answer, calculated <laughs> answer. So the easiest one for me is simply The Bomber Mafia by Malcolm Gladwell.
0: Ooh, oh, my I have that. I didn't uh, know about it.
1: You will. You'll be done with it by the end of this week. Melissa, trust me. So, so let me explain this and why it's made a big difference for me. So, first of all, started as a series of podcasts um, uh, from from his, his his very popular history podcast. So that's where it started. He expanded that into essentially an audio book, and so the whole thing is an audio book experience. And I think he uses the audio book medium. Closer to its full capacity, meaning you're hearing directly from the interviews. You're hearing directly from the people who participated. You're hearing from Curtis LeMay talking years later about his bombing strategy in World War II. And so that's... um, You know, so that's part of the genius of it. But then also from there, you can go to a website and you can do a deeper dive. You can see the documents, you can see the pictures, you can see the different characters that you've just gotten to know through this book. And then, of course, it's also a book. So you run the full range there. Yeah, all the way from revisionist history to then just walk into your bookstore, go to Amazon and get this short little quick book, The Bomber Mafia, and you can just read it there if you prefer. Um, And so I I would say, I mean, of course, I'm a sucker for World War II stuff. I'm a sucker for Malcolm Gladwell. Um, And then on top of that, also, and I think since Malcolm Gladwell's self-admitted return to Christianity he really does a lot with Christian ethics in his books. People may not necessarily agree with that, but there's a whole Christian ethical dimension to the bomb. This this bomber mafia, basically the people who developed strategic bombing strategy for the United States, uh, leading up to World War II, and I think what we remember about World War II so much is how it ended—the atomic bombs this is the story that how did bombing start as the humane way to avoid carnage and ended to our day with the ability to destroy the world with one command. Mm. That's a pretty darn compelling story and Malcolm Gladwell handles it well. So Mm. the bomber mafia by Malcolm Gladwell, you can listen to it on revisionist history Buy the book, you know, or you do what I do. You you download all your audio books for free through your local library. Oh, that's good <laughs> thanks to the text
0: That's a plug for the library I know it I is. put everything in I still get the real books but I put everything in through the library and then it just yeah. I get the notice that it's ready for me
1: that's and great so, well what, what about you Melissa what's your book that uh, stood out this year
0: yeah yeah it's one I just finished it's and I, I kind of I don't I think it was sent to me I can't even remember but it's Sharon James how Christianity changed the world um and it was, kind, it was a surprise um, encouragement to me, because I think when we've you know, listened to Mars Hill and we've seen a lot of people deconstructing and sometimes in maybe negative ways, um, it can be a discouragement on, is Christianity just a big mess? Um, and so this book is really extremely readable. I mean, Rodney Stark has done a lot of work in this area. He has the book, um, The Triumph of Christianity, right. but it's, you know, a big, thick book. This is right. a really thin book, but so encouraging. Um, she traces, basically the notion of where the gospel has gone, how life has improved in, in the areas of healthcare, um, human dignity, justice, um, women, education. uh, And it's just a really um, beautiful look at God's people. I think we can be so discouraged. Sometimes when we look around us when we look at our own hearts, and we say, uh, you know, is are we any different than our neighbor? Yeah, it can be a little, little discouraging. And so to see, wow, Christians, really have gone out into the world and they have made massive impacts, um, in ways that you wouldn't even, even know. I mean, the last story I read was about McCormick who, uh, yeah, McCormick spices and things like that. But his goal was to help end hunger and he was a Christian. And so he developed a lot of the methods of Mm. preserving food to help end Uh, hunger, but you know, it's just, it's these really encouraging stories of a lot of people I've never heard of before. Um, and so it's a beautiful
1: when was that book published?
0: I think it was just published in either 2021, earlier in 2021, or huh. in 2020. But it was, it I do I gotta.
1: I gotta go check that out. Sounds like a. Sounds like a similar to Tom Holland's book Dominion, uh, which is one of one of my best reads from the year before. yeah. yeah. One of those long books. But um, yeah. that would be, I'm going to, I'm, I'm add this to my list. You might've just added a new gospel bound. Yeah, guest. it so, was, it was
0: a very Sharon beautiful. James,
1: if you're listening.
0: Yeah, you're, you're, uh, invited. You're,
1: you're, in the, you're invited. You're invited. We're going to have you on. Well, I mean, I, I, man, I love hearing that again. I could talk about books with you forever, Melissa, but, but we don't have time because you've got TGCW 22, I our know. women's conference coming up this summer. Tell us a little bit about what you're looking forward to with our Women's Conference in June.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited. We are talking about the theme, um, Remember Your Joy, looking at Old Testament salvation stories. And um, I'm hoping that it will be one of those conferences where we really study the Old Testament in light of the New and see the beautiful continuity of Scripture. And for me, as Courtney and I were working on the Bible study that goes with it, it was just one of those times I'd call her up and I'd be like, I mean, there is so clearly one author to this book because the no. yeah, you you, know, you you can't you can't have this written by Moses and then right. this, you know, so clearly related by John. Um, and so it's pretty it's it's been a fun thing to study, but I'm really excited to study it together with women. And then we have over fifty breakout sessions on a ton of different topics. We have auxiliary events. Um I'm, I'm always loved this time together it's it's amazing to me um how many women we have gathered together I always my high school friends come in um i have That's my mom so come in my daughter's coming and it's pretty sweet my daughter came with a group of six of her college friends yeah. and they looked at me the last night of the last conference and they were all gathered in my hotel room and they said mm. this has been the best weekend of our lives oh, man. <laughs> And I was like oh you 've got a lot of good things coming your way, um, but, but it was so encouraging to hear just how much they love being there um, and so but you know
1: what that 's like, Melissa. The first time you 're able to experience an event like yeah. that, I mean yeah. you and I will talk often about when we met at the two thousand and twelve women 's conference and how that changed the trajectory of both of our lives yeah. and it's it 's a joy for us to look back and remember." an unknown author named Jen Wilkin you know, back in 2012 and Melissa Melissa Kruger, yeah. who never would have approached an, an editor about writing and, nope. and ends up running the whole thing um, just a few short years later. And so, yeah, I mean, God, God meets us in those it's places amazing. and that's why we, that's why you work so hard on them, Melissa. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. A, it's a real joy. So I'm hoping so.
0: out there is someone who's going to come to this one and will be yeah. running it in four years. <laughs> That's, true. That's what I'm looking for. We're, I'm looking. Uh, for Melissa someone. and I are
1: on the lookout.
0: <laughs> you just just
1: sign up. You might get a job out of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we also have TGCW twenty. Uh, not, w, not
1: W. Leave TGC, the W out.
0: Although women can come as well. Oh, we want
1: women me. to come. It is
0: not the men's conference. About thirty percent
1: <laughs> typically who come to our national conference are women. So please um, do come.
0: Can you give us any? any spoiler information
1: Look Melissa folks have been on this podcast with us for more than an hour so we got to give the people something <laughs> We got to give them something after this so this is your this is your little uh throwback to the metaverse throwback to uh, Ernest Cline's a Ready Player One this is your easter egg Okay so I'll just go ahead and I'll share with you some inside info on TGC23 I think it's important actually Melissa that we tell people about this because one of the major themes of 2021 was that 2022 will bring the last together for the gospel Mm -hmm. conference. You know, I both participated, spoken uh, there before and um, that uh, we're going to miss that conference. And as people will know on the off years, TGC will, will be in April and then T4G will be in April. And so on the, on the other years, and I think that people might be wondering, well, Maybe TGC won't be coming back. Well, I'm here to say we are coming back in 2023, but we're not coming back in April. We're going to come back in September. So that is primarily due to the fact that so many conferences were postponed in 2020 that the calendar has been pushed back years ahead. And so we're going to try something different this time. We're going to meet September 25 to 27 in 2023. We're going to meet, Lord willing, again in Indianapolis. I'm not saying that's going to be our permanent home, but it has been a good home to us. And so we look forward to being back there in 2023. Um, You're going to hear in 2023, Lord willing, some major announcements about the direction of TGC in the future but we can we can we can reasonably expect at this point that what you're going to be seeing from our national conference going forward is a perspective on the good news of Jesus Christ for all the world and for all of life yeah. and so look for more details about a more globally focused National conference. We're not even going to think. I call it a national conference, but with a with a more global lineup of speakers, with a broader array of exhibitors and and um, offerings in our breakout sessions uh, from all kinds of different ministries and publishers and seminaries that you love. Uh, that's what we're going to be working. We need your prayers. We're going to be working really hard on that in 2022 and building toward these exciting initiatives in 2023. So hope to see you back in in, the, in September and look for some information by September of 2022. At least that's when we're hoping to announce a year ahead of time uh, for our 2023 event. So yeah. yeah, I mean, you can just get a sense here. We've been talking for more than an hour. There's just always, always a lot going on at TGC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think one thing that a lot of people don't know is um, what, how much of an international organization TGC is, and we're constantly um, doing work well beyond the states. Um, can you tell us a little bit, really quickly, about some of our lesser-known work that we were working on last year, uh, mm-hmm. getting, getting the gospel into places um, that it might not be able to reach by us actually physically going?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's reasonable for people to expect what 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 do you guys do with all your time? I mean <laughs> I, I have a hard time I have a hard time explaining my job sometimes to people and and I, and I would say that when when somebody supports TGC, when they make an investment in our ministry, when they want to help this work flourish. Hopefully, they're they're doing a lot of things to build up the church. But one of the key things that we try to accomplish is to use the the large and expansive global uh, internet platform that God has given us to be able to provide what we describe as hope for the searching. And people are out there all the time. People we, we have no idea about are just – they've got questions. And naturally, when they've got questions, they turn to the internet. Yeah. And they turn to the internet the main places that they are going to get answers from about Christianity right now are from Mormons and from Jehovah's Witnesses. And we don't think that's okay at the Gospel (laughs) Coalition. We don't think that's okay. We want to use the algorithms to the greatest wisdom and discernment that we have to provide hope for the searching that will guide people into historic biblical orthodoxy. And so, toward that end, we've produced a number of what we would call an, an evergreen type resource. It's just as true today as it's going to be in ten years or twenty years or, or well beyond that. Where there are essays on on theological topics, um, there um, they are commentaries on books of the Bible. They're simple answers to to common questions that people type into the search bars. It's ranging all the way to, to things of, of, of Christian parents looking for help to deal with transgender identities with their kids or with their kids' friends or their school district. And Melissa, you know, that's not the kind of stuff that people normally notice mm-hmm. from the Gospel Coalition because they might not be those people searching for those answers. Um, but that's the the tens of millions of people who visit our site on an annual basis. That's that's where a lot of those people are. And so it's not the kind of stuff that gets the attention, but for those people who are wondering about, you know, why do I support TGC or why should I support TGC? What's that going to do? That's how we... That's how we use those resources. So I know, Melissa, a lot of your work as well is behind the scenes. I mean, it's wonderful Mm -hmm. when you can stand in front of 10,000 plus women at a women's conference and welcome them to Indianapolis and to to a weekend of worship through song and um, and fellowship and and through the Word. But you're always doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes. So what, what are you excited about behind the scenes?
0: Absolutely. I think one of the things I've been most excited about this year, we've done some women's ministry leadership cohorts, um, and these were on Zoom. Uh, that's one thing COVID taught us how to do extremely oh, yeah. well. Yeah. and But it opened up some opportunities that we hadn't really taken hold of before. And so it was a wonderful way to help support the local church by really just getting women together and connecting through Zoom. So, you know, a lot of women's ministry leaders, and I know a lot of pastors feel this as well, um, might be having troubles in their church that they can talk to no one in their church or really even their city about because it's not it's it's maybe not a, a wise thing to do, but this allowed those opportunities for them to pray together, to think through um, ways to organize their ministries and do some things behind the scenes. And so it was just the way we wanted to try to help um, women in the local church and what they're doing and support them. But I think I'm always encouraged, I don't know if you feel this way, I know TGC sometimes is really known for, you know, the article that blows up the Internet tomorrow about whatever hot topic. (laughs) And um, hopefully it's seen as a place to come and get a good book review and and things like that. But I'm so thankful for some of the work that is done in the hidden hidden places Um, and actually that were much more concerned with articles that will bless and resource the church than we are with the one that gets a hundred thousand page views tomorrow or whatever um but those are the ones we're seeking to faithfully keep producing so that someone and and a lot of them are translated into other languages Um, and a lot of the things that blow up here really don't relate in other cultures um and so it's it's wonderful to see the way those go go forward um
1: well, it's it's our privilege to do this work and we're able to do this work because God gives us that 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 honor to be able to serve him in this way and we never take that for granted. And we're able to do this work because of listeners of Gospel Bound and listeners of Let's Talk and we know because we hear from you guys mm-hmm. about this. You you give us such encouraging feedback about the ways the Lord has has used something that you've learned. And that's one of the things I love about Gospel Bound is that I can just give all these book recommendations <laughs> to people, um, just say, it's not my wisdom. It's just I'm just trying to help orient you towards some some other people that God's using to do this. And so that's really a good way of explaining what we get to do, mm-hmm. is we get to introduce to the church people God has gifted to be able to teach and to lead and to guide and to help. Um, and so we'd love for you, anybody listening here, your friends, your family, love for you to partner with us in the support of this work. And there's a few ways that you can join us here. First way you can do that is become a monthly giver to TGC. Go to tgc.org slash give, tgc.org slash give. Um, we we want to give an offer to everybody here who's listening. You've stuck with us for this long. You <laughs> sign up. You give $25 a month, we'll send you copies of my book with Sarah Zalsker from 2021 Gospel Bound. We'll also give you Melissa's book from 2020, Growing Together on Mentoring, something that Melissa has not only writes eloquently about, but herself has modeled lives what she teaches there. So sign up to give TGC $25 a month. Help us to advance this work that we're talking about, providing hope for the searching, uh, you know, recognizing that search bar as a spiritual battleground that we want to take captive for Christ. So help us do that, $25 a month. We'll send you copies of Gospel Bound and Growing Together to help encourage you about what God's doing around the world in His church and how you can help raise up the next generation. Of course, we'll take a one-time gift. We're grateful for you to to give a one-time gift and just say thank you for for these podcasts and other things we're able to do because of your generous support. And also, just whether you give $25 a month or you give a one-time gift— You can also support our podcasts and help other people to discover what we're doing with Gospel Bound and Let's Talk simply by subscribing, leave a rating, leave a review. That's tremendously valuable for us. It helps others who are searching for hope to find gospel-centered resources like we share on Gospel Bound and Let's Talk. So, yeah, thanks everybody for sticking with us on this podcast, but also especially for listening all year. Mm-hmm. And for your your faithful support that allows us to be able to work do this work with joy.
0: Yeah. It is really a joy. And we do want to say thank you. I mean, it means so much. And um we just wanna keep doing more. So we thank you for for your support. I have one last question, Colin. Yeah. So that we can Wrap this up for everybody nice. because they're ready to go do something. <laughs> I hope that you've been waiting in traffic somewhere so you have something to listen to. And we've been washing you.
1: dishes, yeah, washing exactly. dishes, working something, out
0: something. Yeah. Um, on Let's Talk, we always do a favorite thing. So, my question for you, and this will be I'm, an, I'm intrigued like this. by this. Um, what's a favorite Christmas gift you're excited about giving this yeah, year?
1: I love that, love that question. And you know how it works, Melissa, you're, you're a parent. <laughs> And Christmas shifts from any expectation of excitement about what you're going to get to, of course, the excitement that you're excited to share and who was it but our Lord Himself who told us it was better to give than to receive. Um, what I'm excited about this year is actually a gift that my son, uh, all re- my my six, about to be seven year old son, already opened because it came <laughs> in an Amazon box and he just went ahead and opened it. And uh didn't realize actually didn't come in amazon box but just came in a box he's like oh okay well it is um i grew up playing with castle legos and it was a great time in the 80s and 90s producing a lot of those wonderful sets putting them together playing with them having these big battles well they've just done a return castle lego set they just like one special issue castle lego set this year and, um, it's also fun because I got to go to Copenhagen. Denmark, of course, is the headquarters of Lego. And so was able to to get him a get him one of these castles. and I know that he's excited to put it together. and he usually he's young enough where he needs a little bit of my help with that. but oh, yeah. um, but I'm excited to be able to give that. Uh, I
0: mean, I see year. your future before you Lego land trips <laughs> <That's> and <true. laughs> hundreds of dollars going to more Lego sets. <laughs> you, you
1: may have a son who I anticipate probably expect probably was into that. Given oh. his uh, given his extraordinary engineering aptitude. Yeah.
0: I think Legos are <laughs> brilliant for kids. It, it teaches them. Let me just say what you see right now in those Lego sets will one day become Ikea furniture that they can put together for you because they just follow those same instructions. Um, wow. I'm looking forward. I'm giving my daughter. I'm going old school. Um, yeah. And I'm giving my youngest daughter. Thankfully, she will not listen to this. Um, a record player and um different records so let me tell you this had no idea how expensive vinyl records are good grief (laughs) i didn't get it the hamilton vinyl record is like 60 some dollars so I i can't afford that but i did find some that were affordable so i'm super excited to do that
1: well very very good i love it i love it well i think we probably should wrap up here so we'll wrap up just thank you everybody Um, I hope you're looking forward to giving and also receiving this Christmas. Thanks for listening to Gospel Bound and Let's Talk. Thanks for encouraging us. It really does mean a lot. (laughs) Encouraging us with your comments over email and in person, especially when we get to see you at the events. Help others to find these podcasts by rating and reviewing them. Sign up to become a monthly donor of $25 or more to TGC. Love to send you those two books. Uh, gospel-bound and growing together as a thank you. Just go to tgc.org slash give. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy New Year. We look forward to joining you next year again. Sure. Melissa will restart end of January. Looks like I'll be starting sometime around then, maybe early February. We'll see. Just got that one episode recorded. We've got some more reading to do. <laughs> you can pray for my reading there in that. But we look forward to joining you again next year, whether you're washing dishes, commuting, working out, however you enjoy listening to your podcasts. Thanks. Thanks, Melissa.
0: Merry Christmas.
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode of Gospel Bound. For more information, including past episodes, transcripts, and to sign up for my newsletter, go to tgc.org slash gospelbound. If you like what you've heard, you may also like my new book written with Sarah Zalstra called Gospel Bound, Living with Resolute Hope in an Anxious Age. You can find it wherever books are sold.